Well, let's go ahead then and we'll open in our Bibles to the book of Matthew this afternoon. To the book of Matthew, as we've been continuing on in the life of our Lord and the life of our Savior, Jesus Christ, as we study His his life and ministry, the places He went and the things that He did. And tonight we're going to be looking at a very... uh, a somewhat familiar portion of Scripture. It's something that people have looked at and they have said that this was Jesus' only prayer request, the thing that He specifically asked us to pray for. Matthew chapter 9 and verse number 35. Matthew 9. In verse number 35, I'll go ahead and start reading here in verse number 35, and we'll go down through verse number 38. Matthew 35 through 38. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and every disease among the people. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep, having no shepherd. Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Lord, I pray that you would help us to understand what's going on here in this passage. As you have, uh, you have said something here to your men, as you have saw something that, that moved you, and you saw something that needed to be prayed for, Lord, I pray that we would be moved very much in the same way. I pray that we would have the same heart that you have. We want the heart of our Lord and our Savior. We want the heart of Jesus Christ. And Lord, help us to see that through this passage here tonight. Lord, we love you and we thank you again for all it is that you're going to do. For it's in your name. Amen. Well, folks, here again, as, as we see, of course, this is something that Jesus said, something that he taught. And as we get into it, we're going to again be learning something about him as the man. Uh, tonight, we're going, not going to be seeing so much of a, uh, a miracle. This isn't going to be some kind of specific thing that he did while there is miracles here listed in the passage. We're going to be learning something about him and how he is emotional, just like us. How he had something that moved him, just like we do. And the first thing we're going to be seeing and what a lot of people do, they'll look at this passage of Scripture and they'll say, we need to look at this and see how important missions are. We need to see how important it is for us to reach the lost. And boy, they're, they're very much true because what was happening is Jesus, he goes here into Galilee and he's healing. He's, he sees someone that's lame. He sees someone that's diseased. He sees someone that can't see and he heals these things. But then... Even amongst all the other problems, then suddenly he looks and he says, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. He looks at how how great of a job there is to be done and then how that there's no one there to do it. Have you ever been in in a situation like that? Have you ever been had, had so much work to do that it was overwhelming and you just knew it couldn't get done? That's, that's almost depressing. You know, there, there have been times where I've had a checklist and I'm trying to get through the checklist and I'm thinking, man, there's just not enough hours in the day for me to get it all done. And sometimes that can be overwhelming. But then when we think about how our checklist is absolutely nothing compared to reaching the world with the gospel, and then we think about how, what, what is it, 7 billion people across the face of the planet now? 
and how the vast majority of them are dying and they will end up in a very real hell because they've never understood the truth and the saving message of Jesus Christ. You know, we take that for granted because we're in America. We're one nation under God. You know, we don't have to go too far or ask too many people to learn who Jesus was. You know, there are people that can tell us that because, because we're very privileged in that way here. But Jesus, he's looking out and says, look, look at all the people that need to hear the message. And, and they haven't heard the harvest. It's, it's plenteous. It's ripe for the, pl- the, the plucking. I mean, we just got to go and pick it. But there's no one to go do the work. And the Bible says that when Jesus saw that, he was moved with compassion. He was moved with compassion. And folks, I feel like maybe this is our problem. I feel like maybe we've lost, and and I say this as, as a culture, I feel like there are times, myself included, we've lost the compassion that moves us to work in the ministry. We've lost the compassion for others that drives us to want to, want to help others, to care about others. You know, it, that, that compassion for, for this person, this may be a hurting person. You know, this, this person here, that may be a lost person. This, this person, you know, they may be struggling in this way spiritually. And I forget to see that, 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 that my needs are minuscule when it comes to the spiritual needs of someone else. Folks, when Jesus, when he saw others, what he saw with his eyes... It moved him. It moved him. And we, I think we get so caught up with all the other things going on, we, we get numb. You know, we don't get moved anymore. We don't, we don't care about others anymore. That's why, you know, they'll, they'll do these things on TV. They'll show us these ads. And I'm not saying all these people are bad people, but I'm saying they know how to pull at our heartstrings, don't they? They'll show you, they'll show you pictures of, uh, of this, you know, a dog in a kennel. And it'll be, of course, it's a hound dog with these droopy eyes. We want you to support, you know, support this, this animal kennel or whether it's something even overseas. We want you to uh, support this because this dollar will buy a, a bowl of rice for this, this child or whatever. And they'll, they'll show you these things to move you with compassion. And I think we've done a good job maybe in our culture as Americans to, to kind of to put those things aside where we don't see them and we forget to have our compassion. So we have to ask ourselves that question. How much do we honestly care about the work of God as it relates to having compassion on others, as it relates to caring for others, as it relates to seeing others the way that God saw them? So here's what we're going to look at tonight. Number one, Jesus, he had a very great task he was working on. He had a great task he was working on. That's in verse number 35. And Jesus went about all the cities and villages, all of them. Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching. Notice there again, too, I love this. The first thing Jesus did, he went teaching and he went preaching. The Bible doesn't say he went just healing. He went teaching the gospel. Jesus had a message. So Jesus went teaching and preaching the gospel of the kingdom and healing every sickness and disease among the people. So, folks, one of the things we see is Jesus, he was one of the very first people that that was doing ministry in this New Testament way. He he started something totally new. If you remember, there was that time when he was just a young boy. He was 12 years old. And when his parents took him to the synagogue, he stayed behind. And he was was talking to all the other priests and rabbis and to the scribes. And he he was carrying on conversations with them. And his parents, they left him behind. So when they went back to get him, 
Jesus is 12-year-old boy, and I've met some 12-year-olds. Most of the time, we don't think 12-year-olds are being too intelligent. Now, not that they're you know, unintelligent, but just, you know, they're young. And so you, you think of this, this young 12-year-old boy having on these intellectual conversations. The Bible says these wise men, they were astounded at this boy. And then when his parents showed up, they go, Jesus, we left you. Where were you? And he said this. He said, don't you think that I should be about my father's business? See, he knew from the time he was born, he had a mission. He had a task that he was working on. And the thing is, when he left, if you remember Matthew 28, 19, right as he was ascending into heaven, he left us with a great task too. His, what his task was here, when he left, he left that job in our hands. He said, go ye therefore and teach all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Ghost. That was a job. That, that's what he, he was all about. That's what he came to do, preaching and teaching and, and healing. And then he left and he said, look, I'm leaving and I need you to keep going. Folks, this is what Jesus did. So we see that he himself, he was a minister and he was dedicated to that ministry. You know, and it's an amazing thing. I, I had to ask myself this question as I was studying this. I thought, you know, the Bible tells us that the Son of Man hath nowhere to lay his head. As in Jesus, when he was here, as far as we can tell, he didn't have a house. He didn't have a home. He didn't have a home base. Was he a Nazarene? Yes, he was from Nazareth. He had a family. He had Mary and Joseph. And we realize that. But as it came to him being an adult, when we study his life, he was just going from town to town to town. He would visit here. He would visit there. He would preach. He would teach. He would go to the next one. He would preach. He would teach. He would go to the next one. And I got to thinking to myself, who funded all this? Who put, who put food on the table? Who, who was it that was working? We know they had money because Judas, as bad of an example as he was, he was the keeper of the purse, right? Well, we know that they had someone. And so I got to thinking, man, for these men, for, for Jesus and for these 12 disciples, the way they lived was just from literally day to day as the Lord would provide, as someone would open their home and say, hey, men, come stay in our house tonight. You know, hey, we're, we're going to provide for you this food. Hey, let me, let me, let me you know, maybe donate something here to, to, to your ministry, to whatever it is that you're doing. Because we, we realize from the Bible, as best as I can tell, those 12 disciples, they didn't have jobs they were working while they were going from town to town to town. Now, we know Paul did. He was a tent maker for a time. But still, the, these men, Jesus, he was totally sold out with one focus, with one aim, with one goal. That was to be about his father's business. That was his task. And so we have to ask ourselves that same question. What is our point for being here on this earth? What's our point? I mean, are we, are we really here just to to get as big of a bank account as we can, and, and then hopefully when we die, whoever has the biggest number wins, right? It was, it was Colonel Sanders. I might have said this once, and that's right, the KFC chicken guy. He, once he struck it big with his KFC, they interviewed this man, and he was talking about all the charity work that he was doing on some kind of talk show. And he said, you know, I realize I don't need to keep all the money that I've got because there's no point in being the richest man in the graveyard. You can't do any business in that place anyway. And he made a pretty good point. And folks, here's what we see. What is it that we are living for? Do we, do we live for others? Do we live for the ministry? Do we live to see people through the eyes of God? 
Does that mean I am supposed to have no job at all? No, that's not what that means. Because I believe that, that God wants there to be godly doctors and to be godly workers and to be godly carpenters and ministers and throughout, throughout every walk of life. I believe that. But that is not our number one goal. My goal and my aim in life is not to build things. Because whatever I build, one day it's going to rot and fall down anyway. That's not my aim, folks. Our aim and our goal in life should be the same thing that it was for Jesus. That was to be busy about his father's business, to teach the things of God and to spread the gospel message and to care about others. And folks, we see that with him in verse number 36. He had that great task, but we also see that he had a great motive. What was it that motivated him? Well, it's what he saw, verse number 36. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them. When he saw the multitude, he was moved with compassion on them. Folks, here's one of the things that we don't do. We don't see people for the needs that they have. We don't see the lost as the lost people that they are. And this is, this is one of the things that, again, maybe it's our American mindset. Maybe this is just, just, just our flat-out sinful nature, whatever it is. But sometimes, instead of actually seeing someone for the spiritual need that they have, we'll look at them based off of maybe the way they dress. Maybe off the things they do. Maybe off the things they say. We'll, we'll look at someone based off of how they act. And I'll think to myself, oh, well, boy, if they would just clean up their act a little bit. Well, they would just do this. If they would just do that. And we would have absolutely no compassion for those people. We think about, and I'll give you a good example. Think about Judas. Man, when they were there and, and Mary, she came in, and she broke that bottle of ointment and poured it out on Jesus' feet. You know what Judas was doing? Instead of seeing this girl that was weeping and worshiping the Lord our Savior, Jesus Christ, he was sitting there thinking, oh, well, if they would have just sold that and took the money and done something good with it, then, you know, it would have been much, would have been much better served to, to give the money to the poor. And, and here's this girl weeping her eyes out because she loved Jesus. Folks, sometimes we're guilty of that same thing. We're guilty of looking at the surface. We're guilty of, uh, of judging over this or of judging over that and not having any compassion on others. Folks, that's one of the things that Jesus did. He was someone that, yes, he gets angry at sin. He's absolutely angry at sin. We know that. We see sometimes in the Old Testament where people paid the ultimate price for their sin. But at the same time, Jesus was also someone that has a heart full of compassion. And we need to look at others the same way. So we have to ask ourselves this question. Are our eyes open or closed to the needs of others? Are our eyes open or closed to the needs of others? Because look where Jesus' passion came from. When he saw the multitudes, then he was moved with compassion on them. Folks, we're never going to have compassion on others if we don't open our eyes and look around. If we, if we decide to just kind of put our blinders on and, and walk through life with what's right in front of me and, and ignore the needs of others and ignore the pains of others and ignore what's going on and, and around us, then we'll never have that compassion because we only care about what's right in front of me. Hey, my four and no more, right? You know, that's, that's the way some would think. I'm just going to, I'm just going to put on my blinders. And I'm going to walk that way. And folks, all around us, there are people hurting. And what we have got to do is we have to learn to open our eyes and look. We have to look because when we look, then we will be moved with compassion. I believe when we see a need, 
Sometimes that's when the Lord actually starts to, to work in our hearts with that need. I, I may have told some of you this before, and I apologize if I have. But I remember there was a time my wife and I, we were in Mexico together, and we took a trip. We, we went up to, we weren't married at the time, but we went up this high mountain where there was, there was this massive statue of, of what was supposed to be uh, Jesus. And I don't know if it was marble or granite, but it was absolutely huge. I mean, his, the, the big toe of this statue was as big as our house. I mean, just massive. And there was this, uh, you could drive up to it, it's set up on a mountain, kind of like the one over in, over in Butte, you know. And when you get up to it, there's this stairway that goes up to the bottom. And, and, and at the bottom of the statue, you could walk into it. And it was almost like this Catholic-type cathedral there. Uh, some sort of, uh, or whatever you'd call it. And I remember that when we were there, there were people that they would be, uh, they would be on their hands and knees crawling up these steps, just trying to, uh, to get in favor with God and hoping that doing, doing something that would harm themselves, crawling on their hands and knees up this statue, would, uh, would maybe somehow gain favor with the Lord. And I remember sitting back looking, and as I saw these people doing this, I remember that hurt. And you know, I, couldn't, I couldn't even speak their language. And I remember thinking, do you not know that he already died so you don't have to do this? And folks, that moved me with compassion. And while we might not see the exact same thing going on around us here in America, there are other times right here in Big Timber where we need to open our eyes and look at one another with compassion. We need to look at people on the streets with compassion. We need to look at those that do the awful things, that break the law, that get put in prison, and we need to look at them as not just, oh, they're just a scum of the earth. Well, maybe those people that would offend us in the flesh... It could be that they're the ones that need Christ the most. Folks, that's what we need to do. We need to open our eyes and look to one another with compassion. Because the Bible says, even Jesus, when he saw the multitudes, when he looked, when his eyes were open, he was moved with compassion on them. Well, what is it that moved his compassion? And he actually gives us two reasons, and we want to look at both of them. We said, well, continuing that verse, we saw first, you know, there was his great task, and now, now we're in his motive. He saw that the people were fainting, and he saw that they were scattered. It says both. He was moved compassion on them. Why? Because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Well, here's what he saw when he looked at the people. Folks, when he saw that the people were fainting, they had lost all their drive, and they had lost all their motive. When we think of someone that's fainted, right? We could see someone, and if you've ever seen someone faint, and this, this, isn't, this isn't any way to, uh, to, to make fun of someone, but I remember there was a time I, I was out knocking on some doors, and, and I knocked on the one door of this house, and, and the homeowner came, and the homeowner opened the door, and I said, hi, how are you doing? You know, my, my name is Trevor Martin. I started to introduce myself, and, and they said, oh, hi, you know, I'm, I'm so-and-so. It's nice to meet you. And, and about 10, well, excuse me, about 10 seconds into that conversation, the person I was speaking to literally passed out, just timber, fell backwards, back into their home. And I'm thinking, okay, what did I do? You know, I, I had to walk in. Are you okay? Are you okay? Can, you know, can I call you an ambulance? They just, they just fainted. And when you've ever seen someone faint, it's when, they, it's when they lose strength. It's when they lose heart. It's when they start to give up. Folks, this is what Jesus was seeing. Jesus was here. He showed up at a time when his people 
when they had been oppressed, they had been given their land. Moses had already, uh, he had come and gone. The 12 tribes of Israel, this is long after the time of David. This is long after that their people, the Jewish people, this is long after the time that they have now been carried away into captivity. And Jesus is looking and he sees the field that's wide into harvest. He says, look, the people are fainting. They're giving up. They're giving in. They're wanting to quit. And folks, that's one of the things that we could look and we can see all around us that Christianity, we could say that it's fainting. Folks, our brothers and sisters in Christ, we could say they're fainting. We could say that it's, it's almost like uh, they're, they're wanting to give up and give in. It's almost like that, that, that Christianity is on the retreat. Why isn't, it on the, why isn't it on the charge? Why is it falling behind? Why is it that, that so many people don't care about it anymore? And maybe that's just because we're in our, in our human minds. We like to look at the bad side of things. I don't know why we do that. You know, why are we always pessimists as humans? Maybe that has to do with our sin nature. I don't know. But when we think... It's almost like where Christianity, where we used to say, oh, America is a Christian nation. Folks, I want to tell you, it's probably about four years or so ago now, the president of our United States at that time, Barack Obama, and I actually have this as a, as a recorded quote from him, where he said, whatever America once was, where it once was a Christian nation, now it's not only a Christian nation anymore. Now it's also a nation of Buddhists, a nation of, of Hindu, a nation of atheists, a nation of unbelievers. He said, we're no longer a Christian nation. And you know what? There's probably a lot of truth into what he's saying. And folks, to us, we would see that's kind of a sad thing, and that would cause us to faint. That would cause us to grow weary. And when Jesus saw that, you know, he, he, he was moved with compassion. And so do we see that, that with those that are fainting around us, do we have compassion on them? Do we care about them? And here's something else he saw. He saw that they were fainting, but look at this. He called them... Uh, as being scattered abroad, they were sheep that have no shepherd. They were sheep that had no shepherd. This is something else that gave him that compassion. Folks, I've not been much of a, I've not been around sheep a lot. And it would actually probably be something really neat to study and learn because there's a lot of things in the Bible about, uh, about sheep and lambs. But from what I do understand, being called a lamb or being called a sheep is not necessarily a flattering thing. You know, it doesn't seem like that's something that a person would necessarily want to be called. They're not a fierce animal. They're not a fighting animal. And from everything I have understood about them, they're not an overly intelligent animal either. They, you know, they have to have a shepherd. They have to have someone watching after them. They have to have boundaries. They have to be led where to go. They have to be uh, shown where the, where the pastures are in these things. And so what he's saying is, look, that these people that he looks at, and the fields are wide unto harvest. They're like sheep. And they have absolutely no shepherd. They're aimless. They're pointless. They're going around through life with absolutely no direction at all. Folks, I want to tell you, a person that is in this life without Jesus Christ, they are like a sheep that has no shepherd. Their life is pointless. Their, their life has no meaning. So if, and I could tell you, even in myself, if my life was not, was not given a purpose by Jesus Christ himself, I would feel like there would probably be just... You're here, you live, you do the best you can, and you die. And that would probably be what I would believe. And by the way, there's a lot of people that do believe that. There's a lot of very popular, wealthy people. They believe that's all you're going to do. You're just here for a while, have fun while you're here, and then you die. And that's it. And boy, that, that's what Jesus was seeing when he saw that. They're like sheep. They're, they're aimless, and they, they have no shepherd. They have no leader. They have no guidance. And that hurt him. That moved him. 
And so we have to ask ourselves, are our eyes even open to those things? You know, it doesn't always have to be someone that's... It doesn't always have to be someone that looks the part of someone that's hurting, you know? There, there's a man I'm thinking of right now. Um, I didn't know him very personally. He, he was much older than I was. But I do know this. His life was completely wrapped up in how much money he could make. And by the way, he was a pretty wealthy guy. Uh, you know, he played the stock markets and, you know, the stocks, when they were doing good, oh, boy, he was doing good. When, when things were going bad, oh, boy, he was, he, was, he was going bad. He was having a hard time. But I want to tell you this. While on the outside, he had everything that any man could ever want. I mean, it was just, it was just his. He was one of these guys that just had the world hanging from a string. You know, it was his. He, he didn't have a care in the world. But, you know, when you look at him, still to know that his life still kind of pointless. When you really talked to him and got to see how he was feeling and how he was thinking, he had absolutely no fulfillment at all. He was grasping an air, the Bible talks about. As, as Solomon, that very rich man, he said, it's all vain. It's vanity of vanities, and he knew it, and he felt it. So what we need to do is, there again, we need to have our eyes open and, and look at, at not only our brothers and sisters in Christ, but look at those around us. Just because maybe at first glance they're okay, sometimes we need to stop and think, do they have a purpose in life? Do they have the joy of Jesus Christ in their life? You know, they look okay on the outside, but what's really going on? You know, Christ's people, they're the ones that actually stop and actually care. We're the ones that take the message of God's word, and we, we work on that same motive. And so the Lord, he sees that, and then he says, look, there's a problem. Verse number 37. Then he saith unto his disciples, the harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. Folks, there is more work to be done than what the laborers can accomplish. I want you to think about this, and I, I tried to, and I know I, have, I will never have the mind of God, but for a few minutes, I tried to put myself in maybe what he was thinking, if that's something even that's possible for us to do. But I thought of this. What if I were God, and I were there on the days of creation, and, 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 I, and I put these things together, and I made it perfect, and I looked at it, and I said, boy, that's good. That's good. And then, and then I created all these things and made it perfect. And then I created man, and I put a man in there. And then I said, man, that's good. And then he disobeyed me. And, and you know, that hurt that he, that he disobeyed me. And then I would have to go down, and I would have to suffer and buy him back. And then well, once I went, I suffered, and I made a way for, for everything to be redeemed. Hey, I've made a way for it to be fixed. And then after I left, I would look down, and I would see that the world is like a harvest field. It's ready and it's ripe, but there's no one out there working in the field. And I would see and watch knowing that I had shed my blood for billions of people, but they're going to be dying and going to hell without hearing the message of Jesus Christ. And I realize it's hard for me to put, and for any of us to have the mind of God, but if we could simplify it, he talks about a field. What, what if you were a farmer? You know, what if you had you know, thousands of acres on your ranch, and, and man, you went out and, and you planted, you invested in it, you put all this money into the seed and into the equipment, and you watered everything, and everything was ready. You looked, and harvest time was come, and boy, there it was. It was ready to be harvested. And then you looked around and all your ranch hands were gone. And every bit of the work you had just done, you knew you'd get maybe a little bit done. 
And, you know, whatever little bit your family was there, you were able to do over the next couple months, you'd be able to get some of it in. But you were just going to have to sit there and watch while your crops rotted and withered away. Folks, I believe that's what Jesus is in heaven doing. And I believe that's what he had in mind when he saw this. He saw that the harvest, it's plenty, it's there it is, it's ready. But the laborers are few. There's not enough people to go. There's not enough people to work. And that's something that also should move us with compassion. So whether we are able to go or not, we need to see number four and obey Jesus in his great request. So we saw Jesus had a great task. He had a great motive. There's a great problem. And now Jesus makes one great request. The only prayer request that we know of that he actually specifically as a man asked for Pray ye therefore, the Lord of the harvest, that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Folks, this is number one. This is something that God commanded his disciples. And I believe this is something God has commanded us. It is our duty to whenever we can to spend time in prayer asking God that he will send forth laborers into his harvest. Lord, keep calling missionaries. Lord, keep, keep moving forward in the work. Lord, keep calling preachers. Keep sending out missions dollars so that other people can get across the world to spread the gospel. Lord, send laborers into your field. And one man said, you better be careful what you pray for because you might be the very answer to that prayer. You know, and I believe that's true because I remember a time that I was praying this. And I remember a time thinking to myself, oh, Lord, maybe it's me. <laughs> you know, sometimes the Lord does those things. And I believe it's our job to obey this prayer and to physically pray this prayer. That labor may be us. But you know what? I also believe that maybe Jesus will send others because of our prayers. I believe Jesus will call and that God will call people because we asked. I believe He will. You know, I can tell you specifically, I know, and I found this out a few years ago, you know, as, that as a young man, when I was still a very young man, I found out there were people that were praying that God would put me into the ministry. And I'm not, and please don't think I'm lifting myself up. That's not what I mean. You know, but in one way I'm thinking, oh, so I'm here because of you, huh? You know, but because someone was praying for us. And I thank God for that. But folks, I want to tell you, that is a prayer that God asked us to pray. And I believe that because of that, that's a prayer that God will answer. I believe that when we ask the Lord to send forth labors into his harvest, to send forth workers into his field, whatever that is, that's something he asked for, and I believe that's something he wants to answer. So we saw here, folks, tonight all four things. We saw something about Jesus. We saw that there's this massive task that he was a part of. We saw he was, he was motivated by people. He had compassion on them. Are our eyes open to that compassion? We saw how big the problem is, that there's not enough workers. And then we saw that even if we're unable to be a worker, we can still solve this great request or obey this great request by praying that the Lord would send forth workers into his harvest. So what does that mean to us? Which one is it? Are we, are we someone tonight that needs to open our eyes to compassion for one another? to actually look and see if there's a way we can fulfill the need? Are we someone that maybe needs to get busy uh, with the great problem in this field, this worker's field? Are we someone that just simply needs to spend time in prayer, asking God for more laborers? What is it God would have us to specifically do from this message here tonight, from this passage of Scripture here tonight? If we could, let's have every head bowed and we'll have every eye closed. And as we spend just a couple minutes here with the Lord...
Let's just remember this, that Jesus himself, when he saw the need, he was moved in his own heart with compassion. Folks, let's let it be our prayer tonight that our eyes will be open towards the needs of one another. That we won't just look at uh, whether it be our brothers and sisters in Christ, whether it be the lost around us, whether it be someone that, that we've never even met. Let's be our prayer tonight that we don't just see people for who and what they are on the surface, but we will see them through the eyes of Christ and that we would be moved with compassion. Our Father, Lord, we love you and we're so thankful for all it is that you do for us. Lord, you've shown us something here out of the scriptures tonight of how we ought to be moved with compassion. And Lord, I pray that you would give us that compassionate heart. And, and Lord, we pray that tonight we would even be willing to, uh, Lord, if you in some way put us into the ministry, that we would be willing to do that ministry. And Lord, we pray even tonight that same request that you asked us to pray. Lord, we pray that you would send forth labors into your harvest. So folks, with every head bowed, and with every eye closed. This is just your opportunity to do business with the Lord here for a moment.